being like in the room with the guys in Incubus and we've been rehearsing for a tour that we have coming up here. Our first show is on Friday and uh, there's just nothing like it, like turning up the amps, singing at the top of your lungs, um, you know, letting music kind of move through you. And, and even when you're writing too, and you don't know exactly what you're playing, but just letting stuff just flow out of you. It's like you're being happily possessed, you know? Hey guys, James Wilson-Taylor here for Rock Sound. It's the latest of our video calls. Now Incubus frontman Brandon Boyd has just released his brand new solo album. I'm delighted to say that here to tell us all about it is Brandon himself. How are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Lovely to see you. And yeah, an exciting time to talk to you. Like we say, Echoes and Cocoons, the new solo record, has just kind of dropped to the time of recording here. Um, so let's start in... A place that I imagine a lot of fans might be asking at the minute is, you know, you've obviously done some solo material before, but it's been a minute. It's been a few mm. years. So what prompted the decision? Was this a pandemic project or did you feel just <laughs> this was the right moment, the right time to revisit that kind of thing again? Uh, this was um, absolutely a pandemic project. <laughs> I, I, like so many other people out there, um, found myself in the very strange position of being stuck at home. And when I find myself stuck anywhere i end up just writing you know it's sort of a way that i have made sense of the world throughout my life and uh i was painting a lot i was writing a lot and i was recording like covers that were interesting to me i felt like it was going to be like a month remember that moment in time when it was like oh. it's like two weeks to flatten the curve and it was like a month to flatten the curve and yeah this was quite a handful of months into proper lockdown and, and with no foreseeable end to it in sight. And um, uh, had a couple of ideas that I really liked. And I, the part of me really wanted to kind of bubble up with um, the guys in Incubus and write a record there with them. But the, the priorities were sort of kind of diverging. You know, some of the guys in the band have kids and um you know everyone's sort of position around it was a little bit different so it didn't quite sort of line up but i reached out to um john congleton on kind of a like a cold call for lack of a better way of saying it and he was like yeah what's up <laughs> i'm not doing anything either <laughs> so it seemed like the the right opportunity yeah, natural. I'm glad you mentioned John. That's a, that's a good place to kind of start in terms of the music of it, because, I mean, such interesting stuff. If people don't know the name, I encourage you to go give it a little search, because chances are he's worked sure. on a lot of people's favorite records over the last few years. Phoebe Bridges and St. Vincent, to name a couple of kind of his mm -hmm. big recent collaborations. Um, and, I mean, you must have been a fan of his work, I guess, but that's interesting to hear it was almost like a cold call. How well did you know John before this project? And had you worked much together before or anything? I had never spoken to him Brilliant. once Love if we had met it had it, it, I, I don't think we had met ever but if we'd met it was like in passing you know, somewhere I, but I don't think we even did that it was um kind of the product of having a, a a daily ritual of sitting down and drinking tea with my girlfriend and listening to music and we always like we've been doing this for years where we um, if there's something that we really like, new or old, we'll sort of just like, check this out. And we kind of bounce stuff off of each other. She's a very um, musically inclined person being, uh, she was a ballerina for her entire life. And so she reads music and she's 
probably a better musician than I am. She's just not like a professional musician. Um, but like, I'll do things, I'll write songs and show her. She's like, oh, that's a really interesting movie made there. And she'll explain to me what I had done. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those situations. That's great. So, so uh, she just, she played me a few things that he had produced. And I, I've talked about this before. So anyone listening is hearing the same kind of story. I apologize, but it's definitely worth repeating. It, the projects that he had worked on, I listened to, uh, and I, I they, they I was absorbing them, and I really loved what I was hearing. But the very next sort of feeling and emotion on the heels of "Oh, this is good" was almost like envy. It was like I was like jealous of how awesome it sounded, and I I desperately needed to figure out like who produced this, who produced the song we're listening to. And then we just, Oh, John Congleton. And then again, John Congleton. So I reached out to him in his DMS. There you go. It's, it's, a not, it's way. not just for inappropriate dating anymore. And you can also, <laughs> you can get the work done too, you guys. Can, this is can, how it yes. works out for sure. But what a fruitful collaboration there as well. And it's, it's what I find interesting about this. And, and it's something that, I, I think always works best whenever it's someone like yourself who's obviously known for being in a band and then going off and doing a solo project. You want to do something that's stretching a different creative muscle. You want to do something that sounds good, but you know, you don't want to put out something that sounds exactly like an Incubus record. What would be the point? You'd go do that with a band. And this has got yeah. such a more stripped back feel. Like there's, there's almost like sort of Radiohead Tom Yorkie type elements into this in terms of the production, mm. and the style and everything. Tell me a little bit about what that musical approach was for you. I take it you must have at least consciously slightly thought, yeah, let's do something completely different from what I've been doing before, right? Mm. There's, you know, that's probably the only um, above ground ethos when going into solo projects is that I'm going to do everything in my power to differentiate this from Incubus. Um, in a lot of ways to... Uh, out of respect for Incubus and to honor what Incubus has done. But in doing that, I'm presenting myself with one of the most intense creative challenges though, because being like the, the singer and the melodicist, is that a word? And lyricist of Incubus, I'm uh, kind of, you, it's hard to separate like what I bring to the band. You know what I mean? It's like I, I could put my voice. I've learned over the years. This is like the third solo project I've done, and I've learned how hard it is to differentiate because it's my voice is sort of, uh, for lack of a better way of describing it, kind of identifiable at this point. You know, it's like I feel like it has a recognizable tone, and I have a recognizable way of writing. So going off into different directions is it's hard for it not to sound sort of like. Uh, incubus light or something like that and that's not what i want to do I, I would love to continue to differentiate and create new pathways in music and in creativity um but the stuff that i was working with with john the way that he is producing and sort of the sonic atmospheres that we were kind of um bouncing back and forth were so vastly different than anything that we've ever done as a band it almost called out a different voice in me and I also wasn't, um, I was in that kind of pandemic shape, so to speak, you know, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I like to, I, I'm a healthy person. So I, you know, I, I do the bits to, to stay healthy and everything, but like your, your voice, if you're like a professional singer, 
if you don't use your voice in the way that in the ways that it's capable of like when we go on tour or we're, we're making music in the studio uh that tends that muscle tends to sort of dial back yeah, considerably so there are moments where i was like i'm gonna belt this one out right here and it was just like oh wow this is hard all of a sudden so i'm gonna try it more conversationally and so the, most of the record came out a little bit more um just the different tonalities in the voice more conversational i suppose which i wasn't mad at at all because it also helps to differentiate and it was kind of unintentionally um calling on these other kind of um less obvious influences for me over the years you know there's i'm a huge leonard cohen fan i'm i'm a, I'm a huge david bowie fan i i love um so many kinds of music but the kind of music that i make with the guys in, in our band incubus is what happens when the five of us put our heads together you know it's um and it comes out different than than i think it would if just one of us was writing the stuff so with this with john congleton it was just the two of us and we were just bouncing these ideas back and forth and might i add it was remotely we actually didn't oh, meet. Wow. yeah we didn't yeah. meet at all until the record was finished we wouldn't have a coffee together and we were like that was fun like should we do it <laughs> in the same room sometime you know like we got a cool record doing it literally like this yeah it was emailing ideas back and forth facetiming and something kind of great happened i think so i i would love to make a record with him in the same room i'd actually love for john to produce an incubus record i think it could be really special i think that'd be really really interesting man for sure i'd absolutely love to hear what that kind of produced with all you guys in there for sure and mm -hmm. it's interesting you talk about the kind of remote recording thing because I've, I've spoken as you might imagine over the last couple of years so many artists who've been in that exact same situation by necessity mm -hmm. what did you feel like were the kind of plus points and negatives of that. Is it something you enjoyed? I guess it must have been a necessity and obviously you've enjoyed the the final result, but is it mm. something that you would repeat again necessarily or, or are you kind of wanting to get back in the room for, for that kind of mm. situation again? You know, that, that's a really interesting question because there are ups. There is a plus side to doing things remotely. There's... Um, there are less cooks in the kitchen, so to speak, you know, and, and you get, uh, if you have a very pure idea in mind for whatever this meal that you're trying to concoct is supposed to be, you can get there probably a little more succinctly, a little more swiftly even. And, and we got this record kind of finished in pretty short order um, from having never met and then having a mixed and mastered record. I think it was probably five or six months tops um that period of time felt like it went on forever though because we were also dealing with like the whole the existential dread and stress of a global pandemic just constantly every single day multiple times a day just getting these weird you know little snippets of information through the media which that's a whole other topic but um like i said there there are there were some pluses to it um definitely got to delve into my own weird little world and you know in my mind it was probably a lot closer to the way that i paint when i paint right. pictures it's just me by myself in a room alone with the door open you know listening to the sound of outside and it's very kind of like uh, meditative so there were moments on writing this record that were like that all that being said 
there's nothing like being in the same room as people who you respect and admire um, when you're making music. It's uh, viscerally, it's it's very, very different. And uh, I dare I say, almost necessary. So I've just sure. being like in the room with the guys in Incubus and we've been rehearsing for a tour that we have coming up here. Our first show is on Friday. And uh, there's just nothing like it, like turning up the amps, singing at the top of your lungs, um, you know, letting music kind of move through you. And, and even when you're writing too, and you don't know exactly what you're playing, but just letting stuff just flow out of you. It's like you're being happily possessed, you know? It's a wonderful thing. That's a good turn of phrase. Happily possessed. <laughs> I like that. That's a good way of summing it up, man, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the Incubus rehearsals. Yeah, of course, you've got this big summer tour. I saw it got announced the other day. How has it been actually getting back in those rehearsals? You know, like you said before there, it takes a minute. You know, it's a muscle, your voice. You've got to mm -hmm. retrain it in that way. Obviously, these are songs that you're incredibly comfortable with and have played live a million times with the band. But did it come back easy or was there a little bit of a learning curve again now? I was going to say it, incredibly comfortable might not be the best way to describe <laughs> performing uh, songs that we have played literally hundreds and hundreds of times. Um, some of them come right back and there's really no rhyme or reason to it. Like there are songs that we haven't touched in six or seven years and we have like a master list in our studio. And sometimes we call it Incubus Challenge. I'll just sort of like I'll say to the microphone, Incubus Challenge. I'll point to a song and everyone's like, oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, we sound like we're like limping through a, a minefield, you know, it just, it just sounds awful. And then sometimes it, there's nothing wrong with it at all. It's really, you can't really predict how it's going to go. Um, all that being said, there's, there's some extenuating factors that have made it really interesting over the past couple of years. Um, everybody else has their own things. You know, we're all like in our mid forties now we've been a band for over 30 years. And so there are the kind of like predictable aches and pains that come with being in your mid forties and uh, right around your mid forties too. for your younger listeners is right about the time when uh, you start contemplating replacing parts. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh God. My carburetor is feeling a little sticky. I'm going to see about getting a new one. So, uh, right before the uh, pandemic struck. I don't know if that's the right way to, to phrase it, but in uh, December of 2019, we came home from the Make Yourself uh, tour, which yeah. we were celebrating 20 years of Make Yourself. We did this big tour across the States and uh, we were supposed to come to the UK early yeah, 2020. Sadly, sadly. We'll get you over here we're, at some point, man. We'll get yeah, we're, we'll, we'll be back, I promise. But right at the uh, end of 2019 in December, uh, I scheduled a uh, a procedure, we'll call it, that I'd been putting off for some time just because I never had time to do it. So I had an interesting childhood. My nose was broken twice as a kid and uh, like before I started singing. So I learned to sing and had had my entire career as a professional singer on one functioning nostril. Wow. Um, wow. So wow, wow. It, I'm sure it. it had something to do with like the tone of my voice but anyway long story short i had my my septum was so badly deviated and it was as we grow there are a couple of things in our bodies that never stop growing so our noses and our ears being the ones i'm sure you've heard the the old tales our noses and our ears never stop growing through our lives 
that's how we get that classic like old man look right, right. um but as my nose continues to grow the, the my septum was continuing to deviate making it harder and harder for me to breathe and therefore sing so i've been kind of struggling for like the past like seven years um off and on and i'm sure like hardcore fans out there have come to a lot of shows have been like hmm having an off night tonight you know i could feel it so i finally bit the bullet i had my septum repaired and so i can breathe now but what they didn't tell me was that there was going to be a learning curve in yeah. getting your sort of your comfort zone and your voice back and it kind of just came back so uh it's been a really interesting process i am kind of right back at like 98 now which is so exciting for me because I have like my full breath capacity and my full voice capacity back. So I'm actually really excited to go out and sing at the top of my lungs with a lot of people. Man, that's incredible news, man. Congratulations on that. It's got to be such a relief <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah, I know it's a weird thing to say congratulations for, but you know what I mean? It must be a real relief <laughs> yeah. and feel like, feel almost like a new instrument in a way. You've got to like, you know, completely change up the way you, where you do things in a way. Having said that, doing it all on one nostril all these years, that's a hell of a bit of breath control you've had on stage, my man. That's pretty damn impressive right there, dude. Right. Let me just tell you too, the world is a very different place when you have two functioning nostrils. Your sort of olfactory capacities uh, go up about 50%. All of a sudden I'm like, one of you fuckers farted in here for sure. <laughs> I know it. Like, oh, I didn't, I didn't, like, I know it. I know it. <laughs> dude, when you get back in those sweaty venues again, your your senses exactly. are going to be going nuts. That's going to be wild. Point um, out, like, the thousandth person and, like, you, I know it was you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, properly, properly pointing them out, picking them out yeah. of a crowd, absolutely. Um, I'm glad you mentioned about it, of course, as well, because you guys were actually quite busy uh, in, a, in a couple of ways during the pandemic. I, we've got to mention this Morning View stuff because... I mean, first of all, in terms of the anniversary of that album, what I always like to ask people when these anniversaries roll around is not so much what's changed, because we can see that through watching a band's career, but what yeah. did stay the same from that moment? Is there anything mm. you learned making that record in particular that stuck with you as you've gone on to other creative projects, both on your own and with the band? That's an interesting question. There are some sort of like obvious things like... Um, it was right around that record. It started to creep into my writing process. And I think there are other guys in the band as well around make yourself, but really kind of coalesced during the morning view writing process. And we started to learn about like economy of space. And we started to learn about um, moments between notes, like subtext almost. And um, it was a really it was like an enlightenment moment for me as a songwriter. I was really paying attention to some of my favorite songwriters in that moment and noticing all of the things that weren't being said, but were that being that were being implied. And this is both kind of literally from a lyrical standpoint, but also from a musical standpoint, the spaces in between the notes. And I think that the Morning View experience, part of that revelation was literally the space that we were in this giant like orchestral living room with really high ceilings and it wasn't necessarily made for a rock band. But I remember distinctly when we were writing Morning View, um, the way that Jose's snare would sound when he would strike it and the way that it would off of the ceiling and wrap back around. And when we got back into the Morning View house to do that live stream, um, we set up his drums 
and he started playing and it was exactly the same it was right there the same thing and it was it kind of rushed back into my consciousness it was like whoa this room had a lot to do with how we have evolved as a band and as you know we move into like smaller more sort of tight rooms we tend to write more busy uh note filled music which is really fun to do um but i think my most favorite songs and material that we've ever written as a band are the ones that have this sort of economy of space in them we're there and they they sound better in like arenas. It's a really interesting phenomenon, you know, like those more busy kind of frenetic songs sound really great in these tight little clubs that we'll play in sometimes, which is a really cool experience. But then we get into, we go to certain places in the world, we can fill up a gigantic room with human beings and it's a, it's a blessing. And when we play tracks from Morning View and certain tracks that have that more like spacious, uh, atmospheric, sensibility about them they sound better in those giant rooms so that's something that stuck with me for sure yeah definitely that's an album that's you know watch it in widescreen in a way it's just a Mm -hmm. big big epic kind of yeah i I like the idea of the space in between the notes especially on that record and you mentioned of course yeah you did return to the house and you know any any incubus man i think is very aware of what that house meant to you and meant for that record i think it was on mtv cribs at one point if i remember correctly it's very it's going right back really showing my age there but it's really going right back on that one but it's it it must have been such an amazing experience it's great to hear that there were certain musical aspects about that house that kind of did remain the same but what were your first impressions when you went back in there? Did the rest of it kind of feel the same? Did memories flood back or is it has it been radically changed since you guys took it over? No, it looks identical. Wow. Um, the only thing that was different when we went back in there was um, they had a grotto outside. It was like this waterfall thing kind of adjacent to the pool. And it was where um, all of the frogs would gather every night when we were there and just go into this like a thousand frog chorus from the minute the sun went down and it would last all night. And that's where we got the, the frog song at the end of aqueous transmission. Um, we literally hung a microphone out of the balcony window because we tried to just go out there and like hold the microphone towards the grotto where the frogs were and capture them. But every time we'd go out there with a mic, they would, every single one of them would stop talking. Like they were like, no, no pictures, you know? <laughs> so we had to, we sneakily like hung this microphone, slowly like dropped it down over a balcony and then waited until we just pushed play and record. And we left it on overnight. We have probably 10 or 12 hours worth of those frogs. But so we went back there to do this live stream and the grotto was all dried up. It was kind of sad in a way, um, but yeah. You know, there's, it's mostly wonderful memories about that house that the thing that I don't love is that the the owner kind of, after we left there, we were the first band to go in there and make a record. And after we left, he like just super callously exploited uh, our name and, and, and used it. He turned it into kind of like a recording salon and a bunch of people made records in there. Some of them, you know, friends of ours have been recorded, which is awesome. I just don't love the way that the owner of the house, like really kind of just callously exploited 
us to sell his place, you know, but I suppose it's to be expected. This is America. <laughs> you know, <we're, laughs> like, yeah. That's yeah. When you put it like that. Yeah. I suppose. Sort of what suppose, we do so. over here, I suppose just a humble critique of my culture. <laughs> Absolutely. Always humble. Keeping it humble. Um, I want to mention, of course, what might be next for the band. We know that you got the, the tour coming up, of course. Have you guys had much uh, time really over the last few months to kind of get back into writing and think about what's next? And also, I suppose, how, has your solo experience impacted what might come next? Is there anything you learned from that that you feel is going to feed into what's going to come next from Incubus too? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we've been, re- you know, like I said, we've been rehearsing quite a lot, just reacquainting ourselves with our catalog. And it's super fun to be around each other too. You know, these are guys that Mikey and Jose, I mean, I've been grown up with them since I was a little kid. And so when we get into the room together, it there's, the adult part of us that shows up and everything, but there's still like the 11, 12, 13, 14 year old versions of us that have never really left. I think it's one of the reasons why we are still in the band together because music represents a kind of um, a child in us that refuses to grow up. There's this, it's almost like this like, like creative Peter Panism or something you know, that exists between us that is really like, it's always fun. Like we have fun, like 98.9% of the time. Um, even when we have a terrible show, we're able to kind of like laugh about it. Like, wow, that sucked. You know, <laughs> at least we have tomorrow, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, the, you know, the solo thing in regards to Incubus, it's, uh, you know, 10 years ago, like when I start first started putting out 10 or 11 years ago, when I first started putting out solo records, I could feel like the slightest bit of tension around the idea, around my need to be more kind of um, uh, non-monogamous, for lack of a better way of describing it, you know? Um, and since then, it's become much more supportive because everybody over the years has their distinctive unique creative voices and i think we as we grow up we've learned that creativity is not something that can that enjoys being harnessed creativity doesn't like when you put like shackles on it you can do that and sometimes it works for certain people but for me and i think for the guys in the band too the more uh we are free individually to explore our creative lives the more it inspires us to sort of return to this we call it our mothership incubus is the mothership and we go off on our little you know satellite ships off into different parts of the universe and gather material and ideas and stuff and then we come back and it's like oh look what i found out there in alpha centauri you know this is awesome right and sometimes they're like yeah that's awesome and sometimes they're like that's fucking garbage let's just play our songs you know so Good to see there's always going to be naturally some kind of effect there, though, man. That's that's nice to see. Yeah. I'm intrigued to see what you guys do next. Uh, Brandon, I know you've got to go shortly, so I'll leave you with this. It's the million-pound question for fans like me over on this side of the Atlantic. We know you were meant to come over for the Make Yourself shows. Understandably, didn't end up happening. Are there plans in place? Are there thoughts moving forward about some kind of possible UK return, hopefully sooner rather than later? Mm. There are thoughts that are so fully cooked that we are actually on the brink of making plans. I'm sorry if that sounds super vague, but we, you know, it's still, even though the pandemic seems to be, oh God, 
God yeah, and science yeah. willing. Touch wood, touch I wood, hope so. that it's uh, it, it is sort of receding, fading into the background. Um, but it's still not as easy as like let's go. Yeah, it's tricky. It's you know what tricky I mean? Times for touring, it's still a little absolutely. tricky. Just be, there's even just the brass tacks of it. Like if we go over there and one of us gets COVID, and we have to cancel shows, it would like it would it would break the bank. You know, yeah. if you're traveling that far with your crew and your gear and all that stuff. So we're like I said, the thoughts are so fully formed that they're turning into plants. So Good. it'll be in the not too distant future that we come back to the UK. Glad to hear it, man. Glad to hear it. Well, in the meantime, enjoy this big summer tour. Congrats again on the solo record that people can go and hear right now, of course. And uh, yeah, best of luck with rehearsals and everything. Do me a favor, throw a anti-gravity love song in in the Incubus Challenge tomorrow, please. I'd like that. I I'd absolutely like that. So, will. Thank you very much. <laughs> Let me know how it gets on. I want to hear that. Uh, and take yeah. care of yourself. We'll catch you soon. All right. Thank you so much, man. All right, Brandon Boyd, everybody.